live? Yes, we are live. Welcome back, everyone, to the beginning of our Advent season. Wow. You not as excited as I thought you would be, Father. You know, maybe I got to work my way into it. Maybe by the end we'll be dancing on the ceiling or something. Isn't that a Lionel Richie song? Dancing on the ceiling? I think it is. I think. Wow. Yeah. Just channeling my inner. Uh, Do you even know whoever who you said? Is? <laughs> Go for the name. That'd be fact check true. It is indeed by Lionel Richie. So oh, everyone, this is a huge it. advancement. Uh, our fact checker actually has a microphone, so now you can hear his voice. Thanks what? to your generous contributions. Yes, and your prayers. It's been great. Okay, so I have a great banter topic. Well, not maybe not necessarily a banter topic. Just a hey, look what I found. Okay. We have baby father Kevin in this. Oh my goodness. Look at this. Holy cow. Oh my goodness. How old were you? Yeah, what year is that? Jason's still on there. Yeah, so this is uh, a little brochure of the seminarians from 2016 and 2017. So yeah, there's the little baby father Kevin. And there's Jason Payne. Yeah, and Jason Payne. Soon to be, well, at that time, soon to be the current husband of right. Mary-Kate You know, at this moment, he did not know that he would have three kids under two. Wow. Isn't that great how the Holy Spirit works? He didn't have any gray hairs in that picture either. Yeah. Funny no, how that works. No bags under his eyes or anything? Wow. Wow. Oh, the good old days. Oh, my gosh. And Matthew Jambrowski really looks like a little baby. I think that's the year he entered, too. No, he said, it says year two. Year two? Okay. Second. Year one for Jacob Hugo. We're wow. totally just name dropping all these guys. Blast from the past here. Yeah. But then there's Father Steve Blackson. I literally know everyone in this little brochure except for Father Matt Federico. Oh. So I've yet to meet him. But it's good to know him. He's a good guy. Yeah. So anyways, I just had to bring this out. This actually is not mine, though. Uh, Mary Kate brought this. And ah, so we were looking it. at it before you all got here. And I was like, it's such a baby picture. Yeah. Anyways. OK, that's all I've got. Wow, thanks for the show and tell. I thought it was great. Speaking of show and tell, we have someone from the schools with us. Yes. We are recording live from the principal's office. Have you been good today? Uh, Yeah, Emma, do you feel awkward being next to both a principal and a priest? Like, you have to be on your best behavior at this point. You aren't getting away with anything. I'm always an angel. Nothing. What are you talking about? Okay. So anyways, Krista, you said you had a question, though. Oh, well, before we formally introduce her, she's going to lead us off with a question here. So I love interesting facts, right? The question is, can cats be allergic to people? Oh. Mm. Do cats have allergies? This sounds like the perfect question for a fact checker. I mean, fact checker. What else are we paying him for? Are you Googling this question right now? I am indeed Googling this question. And it says, in rare cases, cats can even be allergic to people. What? True facts. Wow. True facts. According to popularscience.com. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you just Googled that. <laughs> Earning his paycheck. Look at this. Yeah. And yet another question for you is what is the national animal of Scotland? The ostrich. No. Sorry, I was just <laughs> shot in the dark. Close. Speaking of which, isn't ostriches, aren't they the ones that like bury their heads in the sand? Like. Yeah, but you could have said that uh, before I had, like, a mouthful of water would have been great. My bad. I know for next time. Whatever. Okay. Any any guesses, Emma? So, wait, what was Scotland? Scotland. National animal. Go. 
The I'll give you a hint. It's big. Bagpipe. That's not That's an animal. Not alive. Not okay. Sounds like it sometimes. But uh, yeah. It's a big animal. Mm-hmm. It's the a kilt. mythical animal as well. Bigfoot. No. Sasquatch. No. William Wallace. Prettier. Prettier than that. Scotch ales. No. I'm just naming a bunch of Scottish things. They're not even birds. It's I'm not sorry. a Scottish thing, so that's not going to oh, help you. Oh, okay. Uh, the blue jay. No, it's a mythical that's beast. T- and that's The tiny. phoenix. Close, but no cigar. I don't know any Headwick. other mythical It has birds. one horn. One horn. Unicorn. Yeah. What? What? Why? Wait, is that is that a bird? No, that's that's an actual unicorn right there. Yeah. I'm so confused right now. It's the national animal of Scotland. This is getting so trippy. What? We're like in the fourth dimension. Sorry, our sound guy is like just making me laugh right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. All I didn't things. realize that. Why would you have a unicorn as like. Doesn't say. Hmm. Interesting. Learn something well. new every day, right? It's associated with dominance and chivalry as mm. well as purity and innocence. Hmm. Don't I'm, know. I'm innocent. Scots? I don't know. Are you from Scotland? No. Oh, got it. Okay, well, you don't fit that then. What are our uh, backgrounds? I, uh... Uh, German, because Geis is a German name. Okay. Do you so know what got... it means? Oh. Mm, okay. Mary-Kate will quick to be quick to Google that. Mm. Um, Who's first, Mary-Kate or fact-checker? Yeah, Mary-Kate or fact-checker will be quick to Google that. But So I also think I have like Dutch and Irish... Um, my paternal grandmother, so my dad's mom, her side of the family is from Romania. Mary-Kate, what's the answer? It means goat. <laughs> goat? You are a goat. That's awesome. That is the best thing I've heard and, all day. And Emma means universal, so you are the universal, universal goat. goat. This the is so fun. Of all time. This is the greatest day of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't even know The universal goat. That's awesome. You need that on a t-shirt. Also, fact check true according to ancestry.com. Wow. <laughs> I love the, it. That makes me happy to know. I that. love it. <laughs> Dare I ask what the middle name is? This could get no, even better. No. Oh, we're going to stop. <laughs> we're going to stop? <laughs> oh, come on. We're just getting started. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start crying. I'm going to have a t shirt made up with a goat on it and the universe. <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you. You totally would, too. The universal goat. Yes. <laughs> So, we probably should actually get to the topic for today. We should probably introduce our guest, too. Yeah, so, you've probably noticed that there's another voice with us, and it is not Mary-Kate, and it's not the uh, fact-checker that randomly just kind of throws himself in, but (laughs) he just gave me, like, the death stare. (laughs) But we have with us Krista Willertz, who is the um, principal, she's a principal at All Saints in Bay City. High school, correct? Middle school Middle and high school. school. Yeah, Middle I get school, all the school. fun people. Wonderful. Mm. So why don't we just uh, just take a little bit and uh, share a little bit about yourself and tell us, how did you end up here? Hmm. <laughs> well, universally, I would say that God put me here because mm. that's true of all of us, right? Good but, answer. So principal role, I'm not really quite sure. That's still a mystery to me. I woke up one day and all of a sudden I was a principal. And I think God had something to do with it. But I started off as a teacher a couple decades ago. And then a friend called me and said, hey, they need a principal at this school in Bay City. Mm. I said, that's awesome. I am a teacher. And she said, you just have to do this. Like what God is that calling you, you. 
science. Nice. Hence the, you know, animal attacks. Ah. Mm. And I just took it to prayer. And I said, okay, Lord, if you're changing my career and my life yet again, is this what you want? And he was silent for a long time. God does that to me sometimes. Mm. And then he spoke up and he said, yeah, I want my Catholic schools back. And I said, oh, giddy up. Okay, let's go. Right on. So I interviewed thinking there's no way. I have no experience, no degree on this subject. I'm a teacher. And they were crazy enough to say, hey, you want to come be a principal? And I said, sure. They said, okay. You start in August. And wasn't it the... We had met for coffee, and wasn't it that morning or something? It was either the day before or that morning. Maybe it was that morning that you could start making it public or something like that. Right, yes. Yeah, I had to keep it secret for a little hot second until they told the All Saints families. Yeah. Yeah. But I I remember that you were just super excited about it. I know, yeah. And actually, that day was, you were the first person that I really uh, threw out this idea for the podcast. It was fun. It was a fun day for both of us. Yeah. It was super Holy Spirit. We totally connected at the old coffee shop. What was the name of that place? Coffee Beanery. Coffee Beanery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was really exciting. I remember I was just super thrilled for you and yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we had invited you to come on to join us for this episode, which is pretty great. The, the check for $500 that's going to be later, right? Right. Oh, okay. It's five hundred dollars worth of the pizza that's over there on that okay, table. Totally yeah. cool. I'm down yeah. with that. Yes. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Just for tax purposes, it yep, was I can easier. Claim that. Okay. You know. Yeah. 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 Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, Chris, I've heard a lot of actually really good things uh, about your leadership from a number of different people. So thank you for what you're doing in the schools. And thank you for it sounds to me, too, that like your heart is in being a disciple of Jesus first and then, you know, bringing that into the schools. So I I really appreciate your commitment to that and and wanting to bring that to the schools. So praise God. Cool. All right. Well, we'll hear more from Krista here throughout the episode. But as we begin this Advent series... In the season of Advent, we are going to begin each of our topics with reading the Collect from the Mass for that Sunday, for that Sunday of of Advent. So we'll read the first Sunday of Advent, the Collect. And so I got the good old Roman Missal here, which the inner inner liturgy nerd with inside of me is just like geeking out right now. So, uh, but I'll go ahead and read this as like our opening prayer. And so uh, we'll begin in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that, gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we, we're going to be doing that um, for every week just as a a prayer to reflect on and because the church has these different themes every week during Advent so it fits in with our topics very well and so we're talking about hope this week and so the theological virtue of hope and we'll begin by just allowing Father Kevin to kind of flesh out some of the catechesis behind this and that's so you know every episode we have a little bit of this teaching catechesis and then we share with personal testimony, personal witness of how has this impacted our lives. And specifically during Advent, that's our goal, is to really talk about how do we see hope, peace, joy, and love in our everyday life, and how do we live it out. 
anticipate, and especially with the coming of our Lord during Advent. And so, Father, what's, uh, what is hope? Sure. So what is hope? I think it actually helped if we first talked about what hope is not, or at least what version of hope we're not talking about, because I think we use that word pretty freely in just common parlance, just like, oh, I hope they're serving pizza in the cafeteria today, or I hope the Lions can somehow uh, no. manage Hello. to get... Uh-uh. Uh, I hope the Packers get I, one win this season. Well, they've already had their win. Now it's time for the Lions to uh, uh, okay, have their the Lions share. Isn't that a thing? The Lions share. Oh yeah, good one. Yeah, appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so okay, I'll let it <laughs> saying pass. things like "I hope these things happen." I mean, a lot of times when we use that, we can then get like an immediate result. Like, I hope there's pizza in the lunch line today, and then we see it. It's like, oh, there it is. You know, we can figure out whether the thing we're hoping for is coming true right in front of us. But when we're talking about hope in a Christian context. We're actually referring to it as a theological virtue, and so it takes on uh, a new meaning. It takes on a deeper meaning, and I think the Catechism does a really good job talking about hope, again, in terms of this theological virtue. So one of the quotes that I found that can kind of start us out on this conversation is that hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength. Cool. And I, just really quick, before you continue too much, I just want to explain what a theological virtue is, just so that we're all on the same page, right? And so a theological virtue, there's two, like, theological virtue, and then there's cardinal virtues, right? Three the- theological well, yeah, the, forms. There's three theological virtues, and then there's also then the cardinal virtues. Right, so. Right. The first, uh, the, well, the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. And so we have these uh, because they come from God and they lead us directly to God. So these are gifts and graces from God to lead us closer to him. And cardinal virtues, it actually comes from the Latin word cardo, meaning it's their hinge. And so it's that which other things depend on, right? And so prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. But, you know, here we're really talking about hope, which comes directly from God to lead us closer to him. So I just wanted to, like, you know, throw that out there. That's what a theological virtue is, you know. Right. It's helpful, too, because if you're somebody who desires to grow in hope, one of the things you can do is you can simply ask God for a greater increase in, in the virtue of hope because, as you said, the theological virtues are infused in us by God. So if we struggle with hope, you know, it doesn't hurt to be throwing up some prayers to God saying, please, like, increase my hope and uh, having that virtue mm-hmm. infused in us. So when, when we're talking about hope, again, in this Christian context, when we're talking about it from the perspective of a theological virtue, we're rooting it in the things that are eternal, right? So all these other examples I gave of, like, I hope they have pizza in the lunch line. I hope the lions win. These are all placing our hope in, like, temporary affairs. But when we're talking about hope in a Christian context— it's being rooted in the eternal. And uh, I think the gospel a few weeks ago, Jesus is talking about how heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, right? There's something that's mm-hmm. eternally enduring when it comes to, you know, the matters of our faith and what it is that we place our hope in, which is ultimately um, eternal life. It's the promises of God and, and of the kingdom of God. These are the things that we can remain firmly rooted in, because if we're rooted in the things that are eternal, then there can be some pretty messy things that happen 
temporally in my life, but I'm, I'm rooted in hope. And the other cool thing about this too is that in the theological virtue of hope, we're actually possessing now what we're hoping for. And by that, I mean, we're not just saying, gosh, I really hope that in the end, you know, Jesus ends up being victorious and that he conquers and that, you know, this is all worth it. Like, I I hope it turns out that way. No, what we're saying is that in hope, I'm already possessing eternal life and the promises of God here and now. Obviously not in its fullness, but already in a seed form, I'm possessing what it is that God uh, has already won for me by the cross. Um, it's, it's like I'm getting kind of like a sneak peek or like uh, early access mm-hmm. to these heavenly realities here and now. So those are just kind of like a few thoughts on hope, uh, I think, to help frame this conversation as we, as we kind of move mm-hmm. along. Sure. And I, I just wanted to add a couple of things here. You know, we talk about faith, hope, and love are the, the three theological virtues. And really remembering that faith is the driving force for both hope and love. You know, without faith, uh, we cannot hope as we ought or show charity as we ought to show charity, right? And faith trusts that God is trustworthy, you know, and he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says that he will do, right? And so we often will pray for more faith, you know, Lord, increase my faith, right? And when we do that, when we ask the Lord for more faith, we are also going to increase in our hope and our love. That doesn't mean that the three of them will be the same levels, right? That we will have the same level of faith and the same level of hope and the same level of love, but they may be at differing levels, right? We may be stronger in one than the others, but faith really is that driving force. And so when we talk about hope and when we talk about love, we can't forget that faith also is there and a very important part of it. And so they're inseparable, and I think, you know, you mentioned the greatest thing we could hope for is eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we even possess that now through the church, through the sacraments, right? And based on our baptism, we're already brought into the adopted family of God, which gives us that hope for the eternal life, right? And uh, it, that's the greatest gift that we could have is the gift of our baptism, because without that, how can we fully drink of the river of life, right? Mm-hmm. We can't. So uh, that's just, I wanted to, to throw that out there. And so. And maybe if I could add to a little bit about yeah. the opposite of each of those, because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we desire to grow in faith, hope, and love, but it's important for us to realize the opposites of those, because those are the things that perhaps we can struggle with in our own spiritual lives. So if faith is ultimately about trust, then if I'm struggling with faith, that means that I tend to have kind of this, distrustful disposition. Like I, I don't exactly trust God. I don't trust that what he says is true. If, if I'm struggling with faith, like that's kind of part of what's going on a lot in my spiritual life with hope. Again, if hope is rooted in the things that are eternal and, you know, God is going to fulfill his promises, the opposite of that is going to be despair or discouragement, right? And um, Jesus actually tells St. Faustina in these Um, you know, visions of the divine mercy. He goes, the greatest obstacles to holiness are discouragement and worry, right? And how many of us Mm. can struggle with that a lot of times, the discouragement at the things around us, the discouragement of the things within us. Actually, the catechism 
again, when it's talking about hope, it, it puts it really beautifully. It says, the virtue of hope keeps man from discouragement. It sustains him during times of abandonment. It opens up his heart in expectation of eternal beatitude. Mm-hmm. Right? So we have faith. The opposite of that is distrust. Hope, the opposite of that would be uh, this despair or this discouragement. And then with love, if, if love is me making a gift of myself, if it's willing the good of the other, the opposite of that would be indifference towards other, or it would be kind of this self-absorption. It's, it's not the good kind of self-love. It's like the bad type of self-love where I'm only concerned about myself and, and not others. So it's, it's good for us to realize too where we might be struggling. You said like some of those things might be higher in us than mm-hmm. others. Well, some of them can also be a challenge for us. And I, I don't know, for me, particularly, um, just as I've looked at patterns over the years, I, I think hope is something that out of those three, I can maybe struggle with the most, mm-hmm. I guess. We, we all struggle with them to different degrees. But yeah, sometimes I can lose that eternal perspective. I'm so focused on the results or lack of results that I see right in front of me, and it can get mm-hmm. very discouraging. And that's why I have to realize, I have to ask God for an increase of hope to help me to look into what is uh, what are the things that eternally endure and to really uh, cling to that because that's what's going to get me through the the tempor- temporary challenges so i would i would add that in the discussion about uh, faith and hope as well yeah for sure and actually i want to share this quote by father jacques philippe so we've mentioned him before krista's over here smiling so she knows she knows and so i'll share this and then krista i'll just invite you to share if you have any just any personal testimony, any witness of how you've experienced hope and how the hope of, that we receive in baptism uh, really helps you in your life, in your ministry, in your job. So, But I, I think this quote really is just a, a good foundation. And so Father Jacques Philippe says, For hope to be real, to be a real force in our lives, it needs a solid foundation, a bedrock of truth. That solid foundation is given by faith, Faith makes us cling firmly to the truth handed on by Scripture, which tells of the goodness of God, his mercy, and his absolute faithfulness to his promises. That comes from his book, Interior Freedom. Great book. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. They're all He's great a rock books. star. He's, yeah, Fair he enough. all is. He yeah. really is. I kind of want to hang out with him on a daily basis. Right. You have to speak French, though, because he mostly speaks French. But I took uh, four years of French in high learning. school. Yeah. Yeah. Bonjour. Je m'appelle... Kevin. Emma. <laughs> Je m'appelle Emma. I wonder if Geis, is that German for goat or French? Because he'd be like, who's this goat lady? Geis sounds about? German. It's yeah, German. I think it's German. Yeah. So anyways, I took four years of French. Don't know much other than pineapple is anana. I remember that. What? Anana. 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 Yeah, that's pineapple. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It sounds like a baby saying it. Anana. 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 Kind of. We used to watch this cartoon. It was a talking pineapple. And he would say, je suis anana. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. That's awesome. Wow, we get on these random. Random. I I love it. I blame Krista. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's my influence, yes. Yes. We're we're appreciative of it. Okay. Okay, so back to this quote. Father Jacques Philippe. Krista, does that, like, does anything in there resonate with you just... And how, like, how God has been working in your life? Oh, absolutely. He is faithful to his promises. And sometimes we forget that, you know, we'll have these moments where we really feel his presence and we, we feel him speaking to us. 
and we get these truths. And sometimes if we're really good, we write them down in a journal or something. And then we kind of forget about it. Like he drops these bombs of awesomeness mm-hmm. on us. And we think, oh, this is great. I'm going to remember this forever. And then five minutes later, we are sucked back in, into you know whatever craziness that we can get involved in. And we kind of forget that he doesn't change. Mm. He is truth. He is love. And he is unchanging. And so when we do forget, it's it's okay. Like He's going to take us back because his truth is, is unmoving. And as much as we go away from him and we kind of scatter off to the wind sometime and say, oh, yeah, I kind of... Yeah, I, I know you sort of a little mm-hmm. bit. haven't hung out with you in a while, but yeah, he just kind of waits for us patiently. And I think uh, he waited for me for a long time because mm-hmm. I was not having it at all. Mm-hmm. I was not having God. I didn't believe in him growing up. And so when he knocked me over in my young adulthood, that was powerful because mm-hmm. that was the first time I'd heard God's voice. Mm-hmm. And then he kept telling me over the years, like, I think he, he understands how small and tiny and human we are. Because if he were to give us all of his love and everything that he has for us, all of his plans at one time, we'd probably explode. I mean, like the exploding kittens game, it would be us, poof, poof, <laughs> all over the planet, poof, little people exploding. And so he's just gentle, right? He, he just gives us a little bit, and then he reveals a little bit more to us, and he comes back, and and he reminds us. And so I'm, I'm thinking specifically of a time in my life when I was completely without God. And it was, it was, uh, I'm just a really sad, like young person. I was thinking I was in my young twenties and I'm sitting on the beach at my parents' house. And I loved the beach always as a kid, like the wind and the waves, right? You can just sit there forever. And no matter what you got going on, you just can't be stressed out on a beach because it's so gentle. And um, I didn't know God yet, and I was just having this rough time, and I was kind of done with life, and, yeah, man, this just stinks, and my life stinks, and everything stinks, and having a little pity party on the beach. And years later, when I got to know God, and, and I asked him, you know, why didn't I hear you, or why didn't I see you growing up? I know you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't you make yourself known? And he said, remember those times on the beach and how you'd feel the the wind on your face and would calm you down he said that was me caressing you mm. i'm like oh drop the mic well, you know walk mm. away from that one that was huge and of course i cried a lot um because that was just a really powerful image to know that he was always there when i was mm. a little kid and i would bring i don't know if you all did this but like my cats would get the the mice and the chipmunks and the squirrels mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. bring them and for whatever reason they were just like barely hanging on to life their guts were hanging out and and I'd have them cupped in my hands and I'd bring them to my parents you know save this thing and they kind of look at each other like what is she doing and I was just so attached to these suffering creatures mm-hmm. so attached to them and I couldn't figure out, you know, why am I feeling such huge emotions for these, you know, the squirrel I would see on the side of the road or, you know, what have you, this injured animal. Why did I, you know, care so much? And about this time last year, actually, I was on a retreat at a convention for spiritual directors. And um, I had some quiet time with the Lord, lots of quiet time with the Lord. And he kind of rewrote my principle and foundation, which is an Ignatian thing. Mm-hmm. And I had written it down, and I couldn't find it for the retreat. And I sat down there, and I thought, okay, well, I can't, I can't, I didn't bring my journal, and oh, this isn't what I'm looking for. And he said, 
oh, let me rewrite that for you. So he brought to mind these images of these broken animals, the mm-hmm. bird with the broken wing and the squirrel and the chipmunk. And in that time when I had no idea who God was, he said, that was me setting the stage for you to bring me the broken souls when you get older. And that was me putting that desire in your heart to heal. And he said, you are going to bring the broken souls to me now and I can heal them because I was so frustrated as a little kid because obviously my mom is not going to sew up the intestines of this little squirrel. So it's, isn't it beautiful that God plants these seeds, even those of us who, who don't know him for a part of our lives and he just plants these seeds of hope and then he brings them back and he's so cool like that. You know, who can make this stuff up? You know, when he's rewriting your principle and foundation and he's saying, when you were a little girl, you'd bring these things. And it wasn't, you know, me preparing you and putting that desire in your heart. And I had to go to the chapel, I'm not going to lie, for about an hour. Mm. And I couldn't breathe. I was crying so hard. And it was such an awesome outpouring of love for me to know that as a kid, when I was so broken and this was going on and that was going on, and I just saw chaos everywhere that he was preparing the way for something really beautiful later on. And that, to me, is kind of encapsulating this hope idea mm-hmm. of God's always present, and if we pay attention, he will connect those dots for us. Like, I can't make that stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. We can't make this stuff up. But he he's just so good with it. And then he gives us Mary, right? Like, who, as we go into Advent, she's kind of the rock star of Advent, right? Let's go. She just... You got to think about Mary because here she is, and you know she's she's doing this major thing for us, or right? it's kind of a big deal that she said yes and gave birth to Jesus. And so for me, Mary is such a helpmate in trying to find hope in some of these dark times. You know, like let's be real, the the world's a little funky right now. It mm. just kind of is. And working with young people, they're grasping for hope. Mm. They're seeking it in so many places. They're seeking it in the adults around them. And the adults are like, I don't know where to Mm. go. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Yeah, just go back to your laptop and that's where all the answers will be uh, because we're doing virtual learning. So, you know, and the kids are looking and the adults are looking for hope and Mary's just kind of there as a shining star Mm. to say, "Just, just grasp my hand and let me bring you through this this crazy time and bring you to hope because she is she encapsulates hope so mary's my jam especially this our lady of guadalupe fun story Mm. maybe sometime i'll come back and tell you about (laughs) how i actually met her in the flesh and yep kind of cool but i'm going through this mary's mantle consecration and one of my meditations was really cool just a couple days ago and i highlighted it literally and put source of hope Yes. <laughs> yes. In preparation, right? Let's I'm, go, Mary. I'm doing my schoolwork. I'm getting getting prepared. So as I'm I'm thinking about the battle right now that is just raging, like in the world, and sometimes in my body, I've got all this you know crazy stuff going on, like aches and pains, and you know whatever. And I feel frustrated because I'm in this new job. I don't know what I'm doing. And I wrote this little thing, this dialogue, right? Because I write to God and and my journal to make sense of things. And I put that there's a battle going on in the world, a battle of light versus darkness, good versus evil, God versus Satan. The battle is in my head as well. Judgment and self-centeredness well up within me. Abba Ganan, fun story, my name for God is Abba Ganan and Abba meaning father. And um, Ganan 
came to me as gardener. It's Aramaic for gardener. So my name for God is, God the Father is Abba Ganan. So Abba Ganan, I place my enemies at your feet. I place my judgment at your feet. I place all of my sinfulness at your feet. Help me to persevere against the darkness. Then we get to the Mary part. Oh Mary, in your hands darkness becomes light. Evil is crushed under your foot. The insanity of this world becomes peace and tranquility when given to you. I choose to continue lowering my bucket into the well of prayer even though it comes up dry. I continue to rise each morning, even though pain and physical exhaustion deplete me. I continue to search for meaning and for God's hand in everything, even though most things in this world do not make sense. I continue to perform my duties, even when tempted to see them as pointless. I continue to work beyond failures, disappointments, distractions, even when the weight of them threatens to crush me. I persevere because the grace, mercy, and love of God and the love of Mary sustain me. Abaganan, I feel like I am in perpetual battle against all that displeases me. I resist what I cannot control or what I don't understand, labeling these things as my adversaries. Help me give everything to you. Everything. The battle is yours, and you have already won. I embrace who I am, including my deficits and failures. No matter how unlikable a person may be, if I embrace him or her, they are my friends. Mary, help me to cling to this thought today. I can choose to live in the crossfire of a battle zone of my own making or within the boundaries of a peaceful, temperate forest. The power lies within me to embrace or reject those things I cannot change. Mary, I turn to you today to help me remember to be within the boundaries of a peaceful, temperate forest. I turn to you, who are my mother. Amen. Mm. And I think, oh, Mary, where do I want to be? Do I want to be in the slings and the arrows and the, the depths and the darkness? Or do I choose to be in the temperate, tranquil forest of, of you know, Mary? Mm. And gosh, who would, who would choose the former, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Father, I know you indicated you wanted to chime in with something here. Yeah, well, I, I just thank you for that aspect of your testimony. And I'm just, I'm just listening to it all and, and kind of trying to bring it all together. And, and something that strikes me, and maybe you could continue to speak to this, is that, you know, you mentioned Ignatian spirituality. And, and one of the things that St. Ignatius would encourage somebody to do when they're going through a period of spiritual desolation, which are those moments in our spiritual lives where we might feel distant from God, where we feel as if he is absent, where we're going through a period where we're really struggling with faith and hope. When we're in those seasons of our spiritual life, one of the things he encourages us to do is to go back to uh, different moments where you have encountered God in your life or where you have clung to these different truths in the past, where you've seen these things come about and let that remind you in the in the face of the discouragement that you're facing. So the opposite of that would be when you are going through these spiritually uplifting times, like write them down, write down in a journal or uh, keep track kind of in your head of these different images that come to you of uh, what's resonating with you as, as God speaks to the depths of your heart so that when the challenging times come, you can kind of have that thing to cling to. And what I'm hearing from your story is that you've kind of racked up, so to speak, these different images or these different uh, prayers over the years to the point where now if you're going through a difficult time, you're perhaps facing discouragement when you're tempted to think maybe God won't follow through on his promises, you're able to look back, 
you know, maybe very concretely in this journal that you have or to all, to all these other instances in your past. And you can say, well, he didn't let me down in that point. I realized what he was doing. Or a couple years later, when I thought he was gone, he was actually doing this. And it seems like that has helped you to grow. And I think that's something that uh, would be helpful for our listeners to know. So do you think that accurately describes kind of uh, what you get out of, so to speak, like journaling and going back to these different ways that he has been faithful to you over the years? Absolutely, because God has poured out so much goodness in my life that it's really, it's hard to remember at all. It really is. And so these these big moments as I was contemplating Mary just today and during that journal entry, I thought, you know, God gave her to us because she was human. And so I, I went back to some of the ways that Mary accompanied me. And um, I thought very specifically, like I was drawn, boom, boom, to this memory of probably, oh gosh, it was like 15 years ago now, when um, I was pregnant with uh, a baby that we lost. And I was about halfway through my pregnancy. And I just woke up and I was had a daily mass actually. And I knew something was wrong, like something was happening. Mm. And I thought, oh man, this is this is not good. This is not good. This is happening. I'm losing this baby. You know, I'm like 20 weeks along and you know, this what is going on? What is wrong? And within a moment, I I just I turned to Mary and I said, make this okay. I'll remember that forever. I said those words to her. I said, Mom, make this okay. Mm. I know that this is happening. And I, and I get it and I can't comprehend it yet, but make it okay. And so I just started praying Hail Marys and Hail Marys and Hail Marys. And, and the people at at the hospital were, were kind of a little bit puzzled, you know, because, you know, here I am, this thing is happening and we're losing this baby. And, you know, they're, they're such good people at the hospital. They're really, really good with things like that. But I just kept saying, it's going to be okay. And at first they were confused, right? Like they kept, you know, the, the physical things of what were happening were very evident and you could tell, see them looking at each other like, she doesn't get this yet. And I kept saying, it, it is. It's going to be okay. Hmm. It's not going to be okay right now, but it will be okay. And it was like that knowledge. In that moment, my husband was there with me. He drove me to the hospital. It was like that knowledge that the, the baby that we lost, it, she's okay. Her name's Joanna Grace. And I just knew in that moment that Mary caught her. And I can't describe how I knew that. It was just like an image that came to my mind. And, and I'll remember that forever, how much peace that brought. In that really painful moment when it could have been desolation, I could have chosen desolation and just hung out there and, you know, why is this happening and all this kind of thing. And instead I just said, Mary's got my baby. Mm. What better place for her to be than the arms of Mary? Wow. And, you know, as a source of hope, she's just the jam, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you do better than, than Mary is your source mm-hmm. of hope? And obviously God is the ultimate source of hope for us, but he's given us the saints. He's given us Mary. He's given us Joseph to be physical representations mm-hmm. of, of hope that can sometimes see so, seem so far away and so theological and you know so distant, like, oh, God and hope, yep, I get it. But when you have that physical presence, that physical person that you can think of, that physical saint physical representations of Mary like how can you doubt that God exists when Mm -hmm. she has told us so many times through apparitions am I not here who am your mother and who better to comfort you when you are in desolation than your mother so that was a long drawn out way of answering that question of yes definitely having journal entries helps you go back to that and to remember but just to make those connections to connect the dots 
that's a very, it's a supernatural thing because only God is just right on point with making this connection with that connection and like causing you to go to that place in your journal from three years ago when you need it just in that moment. And it reminds you, oh yeah, you were, you were here for me, Lord. Oh, I remember when I was doubting, when I was really down and this is how you brought me up. And it was like, he's almost turning the pages for you Hmm. in the journal. And I don't know if you both journal, but Hmm. that's just huge for me to be able to physically go back and read those words that he kind of wrote with my hand and Mm -hmm. said, yep, here I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had moments like that in my journal and it's, you're always so thankful when you can go back and you read and you're like, you now, when you like go back a few years, you're like, I see what you were doing. I didn't understand it or maybe I was frustrated in the moment, but now I see what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Praise be to God. Well, I feel like we could just continue to talk for hours on end, but we'll probably should wrap it up here soon. We'll probably have you on again, if yeah, you're willing. Absolutely. I feel yeah. like we could. Yeah, keep writing those checks for $500, uh, payable to All Saints Central. Pizzas. Got it. Yeah. File that away. <laughs> right. 500 pizzas, 500 slices of pizzas. Uh, Either. $5 pizzas. Got it. Yeah. With some cheesy bread. We're on a low budget here, folks. Oh, that's yeah. true. We're trying the best we can. Yeah. All right. Holy Spirit provides, right? Amen. You know? Yes. Pizza Jesus is can... a gift from God. Come on. Yeah, come on. That's the source of hope. Right? There we right. go. Pizza. There we go. Boom. Cool. All right. <laughs> well, so Krista, you're a listener of the podcast, so you are familiar with what we do at the end, where we share our one joys from the week. So, I actually, I thought of one, like, while we were actually recording, because I didn't have one. But, we'll make fathers start. Ah. Oh, come on. Okay, I would say that my one joy recently has been the fact that it is confession season in the church. There are a lot of penance services being offered. Um, It's also the season of first reconciliations, which Mm -hmm. we just had, and it was was adorable. Um, As somebody once referred to it, it's like getting pelted by marshmallows. God bless the kids. God bless all the people coming out for the... uh, for the penance services, it's, it's a great joy for me as a priest to be able to get a front row seat as God does incredible things in people's lives. So I'm just grateful to be a priest, especially in this time where people are coming to confession a little more regularly than usual. Sure. Yep. Am I going next? Yes. Nose goes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, darn it. That is me. Yeah. Uh, my one joy is a book that I'm currently reading uh, called The Wellspring of Worship. Come on. By... Mary Kate just did a face palm. <laughs> uh, it's by Jean Carbon. Jean Carbon. Ooh, another so, Frenchie. Yeah. Yes. He wrote the prayer section of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and this book is just piercing my heart. I love it, and I've been praying with it and just really reflecting on it and geeking out about it, and yeah, it's totally my one joy. Good stuff. Just and read it. So, so what's a nugget from that to a tempt nugget? us? Mm-hmm. Don't so, get her started. She won't be able to uh, stop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole gist of the book is just it talks about the, the heavenly liturgy and the river of life that flows forth from the Father's heart and how, how Jesus, the moment that the liturgy really begins is when Jesus returns to the Father. And it's the joy 
coming from the father's heart, receiving his son back again at the like after the ascension, like he's coming mm-hmm. back. Uh, but he's not just coming back with himself; he comes back with all of us. And so it's just that reminder of it's this kenosis, it's this pouring out, it's this emptying of the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father. Um, And then obviously the Holy Spirit flowing forth as the river of life kind of thing. Uh, It just, it's piercing my heart so Mm. deep. I've loved the liturgy since I've came back to the church, but this is just making it grow a hundredfold. So, yeah, and I know Father Kevin's not surprised by this. Yeah, well, you like books. It's a great too. book. It's actually, and I love books yes. too. Yeah. yeah, it's a book that actually almost every seminarian goes through because you have to read it for Institute of Priestly Formation, which mm-hmm. is like a summer program that a lot of seminarians get sent to. So there's a lot of a lot of seminarians and priests who have read that book, and mm-hmm. it's just it's phenomenal. It's great. So, awesome. Yeah. All right, your turn. My one thing for joy is my middle schoolers. And, mm. you know, who's, who's joyful about middle schoolers, right? Well, <laughs> I am because they're awesome. Good for you. Yes. So Pretty yesterday sad. they um, they pray every morning before school. And yesterday I totaled my car, hit someone and totaled oh, my car, totaled her car. It was not a joyful start to the day. However, I was told today that yesterday I called in and I said, um, I'm not going to be in today. I might have to go home and lie on the couch and cry. I was told that at that moment when the secretary went in and told, you know, the kids um, what was going on, they all prayed mm. right then in the moment. They did a whole Mary, of course, wow. to mom, you know, right? And then today, as I came in, they all came up and, you know, one at a time, oh, my gosh, are you okay? We prayed for you. And, you know, and to see these little middle schoolers, you know, who can do some really funky things sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. They can drive me a little crazy. To just have them in that moment just pray, because that was their go-to, and, you know, the adults were leading them in that. And then for them to genuinely care. You know, I've known these people for two and a half months, right? Mm-hmm. And they are just a joyful, sweet bunch. I love them. That's today. Monday, they might drive me crazy. Right, right, right. But today, they are a source of my joy. So middle schoolers at All Saints Middle School, you rock. Praise God. Shout out. Great. That was a wonderful shout out. Very cool. All right. Well, Krista, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a joy. This has been great. And just the fact that you were there from the beginning of this really getting kicked off. I love it. Uh, You know, it, it was stirring in my heart for several, several months. Uh, but then you were one of those first people that I actually verbalized it to and explained it. And it was just so to here we are sitting on the couches, right? Awesome. Recording. This is great. Plan. So, yeah. Ah. Yeah. He's so awesome. So, he is. well, anyways. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in to this first week as we dived into, dove into, dived into, dove into, dove into, dove, dove into yeah. hope. Uh, and join us next week. We'll be talking about peace. God bless. Peace out.